What is going on, everyone? Welcome to today's news tonight. I believe this might be... No, we got one more episode before Christmas, right? We might do a yeah. December 23rd we a episode. Yeah. We, we will. Anyway, we're in the final weeks of the year, and I can't think of any way better to cap off the last... or to begin the last week of the year than with one of my closest friends. As always, you can see I'm joined above here by uh, Derek Bittner right above me and Ash Paulson up to my left, but on my left-hand side, I've got none other than Reb Valentine from GamesIndustry.biz and Cozywood Kitchenette, right? Has that launched? Yeah! yeah. Two episodes Cozy... in. Got a third yeah. one coming on, nice. I believe, January nice. 1st is how the calendar works out? Yes. Nice. I, I apologize. I, I have not gotten to watch Cozy Wood Kitchenette yet. I really oh, want no. to because I have always followed like your your tweet threads about video game cooking, and so I, I really need to get <laughs> in there because I feel like it would be a really calming thing. Uh, but oh, how are I you doing so. tonight? I'm doing pretty good. I, I I hope that the podcast about food and coziness and and video games ends up being a calming thing for people. I can't imagine anything you made being stressful to watch. <laughs> oh, I hope not. I mean, the truth is, I am like probably stressed most of the time, but for that reason, I immerse myself in relaxing, cozy things in hopes that I will counterbalance my life somehow. Oh, nice. And it looks like you're joined by a furry friend there. This is Robo. <laughs> right? This is Ro- Robo? Oh, Robo? Yeah. Her As sister- in Chrono Trigger Robo? Her, her sister's yes. name is Luca, yeah. Oh, Hell nice. yes. So you just made Ash's favorite day. game. Yeah, my favorite game of all time. And Steve's as well, I know. Hell yeah. That's like, awesome. That is... I, I I remembered Robo. I didn't remember Luca. So I was waiting for, for the joy to appear on Ash's face when you realized that, yes, it is a Chrono Trigger reference. Yeah. And bonus little- points because... <laughs> Oh no! Go ahead. Go ahead. Luke is a little more camera shy. She she knows when I have turned on the phone <laughs> camera to take a picture of her, and will deliberately hide herself because she knows. Nice. Some cats are like her. that. Yeah. But uh, bonus That's points cool. because Luke is my favorite character in Chrono Trigger, so Excellent. and one of my favorite characters ever. So very cool. And like I said, like we talked about before the show, Reb, look at our chat. Like no worries having cats, dogs, any animals. Our our chat loves yes. all animal cameos. So oh, shout out to the Speaking. person whose cat's name is Isla. Excellent. Oh, that yeah, is excellent. Right, that's so cool. Oh, yeah. Vedron <laughs> yeah, Hotek with the, uh, the high-tier high naming. Uh, yes. Speaking of furry friends, today we actually have a reason to, to discuss furry friends in greater detail. Uh, so I'm going to throw these up on the screen. You might have seen them if you were hanging out before the show started, but here we go. Look at these cuties. Oh, my God. <laughs> they are adorable. Oh, my God. Those, those eyes. The soft belly. So I these know. these are the so cats, adorable. the furry friends of our uh, patron and only promote a pet patron, Guillaume Monet. Uh, meet Minos and uh, Mew or, or Meow. You know, it's, it's, it's an onomatopoeia. So... Um, Basically, if, if you join our Patreon at the uh, at the Promoter Pet tier, we will make time for these adorable kitties. I got to find a better way to work them into the show. I'm working on it, but <laughs> I realized this like Friday night and just had to put something together. Jared Edinger, uh, Meow from Fantasy Star. Technically, that is that is the same because that's meant to you know mimic the sound a cat makes. So in in Japanese, yeah, it would be Meow, or in English, it would be Meow. But uh, Guillaume Monet specifies that it is the French Mew, so it should be pronounced Mew in the case of this adorable I mean, fluffy friend. But, Monet. <laughs> yeah, again, uh, a, a name like Guillaume um, Monet probably probably French is appropriate. Speaking of this I mean, tier, Azrin127 bring... had a great idea. No, go ahead, go mm. ahead. 
I was just going to say, Steve, the trick is just to bring guests who have pets who will wander onto camera in the first couple minutes of the show, and then you have a perfect segue every single time. That's true. That's (laughs) true. Do you have a pet, or can you get one? (laughs) I have... You know, obviously, you guys probably heard my dog uh, barking in the background. We also have two cats, but they're not really allowed in the uh, office slash bedroom because uh, they like to chew cords. And we've had to replace about three hundred dollars right. worth of cords that they've oh, chewed. <laughs> That's through, a lot of cords. Laptop cords, uh, these type <clears throat> of cord, you know, headphone cords. Um, just you know, phone chargers. They love they love the Apple products to to choose through through. So we've kind of banned them. <laughs> My wife and I are yeah, getting that's... a new dog at some point soon. Uh, we'll probably get another Yorkie, and yeah. uh, we we love small dogs. So it's uh, our our previous Yorkie passed in March, and then we moved, and uh, you know, so we're just kind of getting situated. And, you know, wanted to make sure we left enough time to mourn and and everything. Uh, our our pup before we got a new one, but uh, yeah, that should be happening at some point soon. Also, speaking of this tier, Azran127 had a great idea in the chat a little uh, while back. Motion to rename the pets tier to the pets step because palindrome. Palindrome's alliteration, they make everything better, (laughs) Azran, so I completely agree. And uh, I approve that motion. We'll see what my co-founders think, but I think that's pretty great. Also, my video seems to have uh, frozen in a very weird position, so I'm going to leave and come back and hopefully (laughs) that fixes things. One second. Okay. We are a three-person crew now. Reb is the new f- co-founder. Oh, wait, he's back. It's oh. Up. Yeah, I'm back. I wasn't going to be gone for long. Nice. All right. There we go. Let's go ahead. So, so Reb, was there ahead. ever a point at which, you, at which you considered naming one of your cats Gato? Because that just seems like such, a, such an opportunity. It I mean, was, Gato Robato. It was, oh, there she goes. It was in the discussion, actually. Okay, uh, we, okay. It, it was part of the conversation. The, the circumstances were my... my partner at the time, my ex, and I got them together, and we agreed that we could each name one of them. And I named Luca gotcha. first, because I had, I think I had actually just played Chrono Trigger on the DS. Um, nice. And so I was really, really into it, and I thought, yeah, Luca, that's a great name for a cat. And I I thought he would go, because they're both name, gendered names or whatever, but I assumed he would go with, like, Marl, or maybe Isla uh-huh. or something. And yeah. he named he named her sister Robo, and I was like, well, that's her name now. Great. So now I've got a cat named right. Robo. Nice. Very amusing. But yeah, Gato right. was discussed. Frog was discussed as a really good name for a cat. <laughs> I love that. Frog, Frog the, the cat. cat. <laughs> that's perfect. That, that would be cool. Like, I, I gotta say, though, Robo's a kick-ass name for a cat. Like, I like it. I, I think it's same. a cute name. And also, Robo seems slightly offended at the idea that their name might be changed. Oh, no. She <laughs> just got right. up and left. She's now, right. when, when Robo's in trouble, do you use their full real name? Like, R-66Y. I, how dare, you know, I caught you. You have to, you have to use the, the true. Ash his nerd card. <laughs> right oh, I have. I mean, I it's Chrono Trigger, it. man. It's, I, I could have that wrong. I'm pretty sure it's R-66Y, but I could, actually could have that wrong. That's and wonderful. Watch, watch me have it wrong. I had never even considered that. I, I had a pair of dogs for a while that were named after the characters in Firefly, Kaylee okay. and Inara. And whenever they were in trouble, I would say Kaylee Fry. And I actually don't remember what Inara's last name is, but I, I would use those two phrases. <laughs> oh, okay. Nice. But no, I've never, I've never done that with the, with the cats before. I should, I should try that. Mostly I just yell, hey, and excuse me, really loudly. <laughs> well, okay, so I, it was. It was R-66Y and also... Imran with the other deep cut, Robo is more Zaby than Baby. I 
as a fellow Chrono Trigger stan, I love that joke. <laughs> good. Nice. So good. So good. Nice. Nice. All right. So speaking of days gone by, let's go ahead and throw our first story up on the screen. And that is that Halo, the official Halo account tweeted out today that the Xbox 360 services are going offline in December 2021, Uh, meaning that, you know, multiplayer, all that is gone for every Halo game on the 360. And I have to say, uh, I'm actually surprised they're still there now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, when I read this tweet, I was like, what? People still play halo on the xbox 360 that's wild but i mean people still play just dance on the wii so it's not yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true the thing, the thing that i think about a lot and have to like remember especially as someone who writes about game news is like the the vast 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 majority who like purchase and play games are not buying like the xbox one x at launch they're not playing mm, the latest true. and greatest at all times like they go they go to a GameStop they and get like a game every couple months or so that they play for a really long time or they have, like multiplayer games that they play for a really long time with their friends and they might be like a generation behind like a lot of people are like one generation behind and i think this this news makes sense right because now we are into the the now current gen of consoles and 360 is like now two gens behind and so right. i imagine they're seeing like player numbers dwindle enough that it makes sense to do that but yeah i mean i'm yeah. sure a lot of people were playing on the 360 up until somewhat recently right yeah and they're yeah. giving a heck of a heads up because they got a full year to get more halo in like i, I have to imagine right they've seen that by december of next year the play race will be minimal enough that it's not going to be a big deal yeah they'll also have a new I halo mean, out theoretically theoretically yeah True. Yeah, and I mean, they probably help. could have gotten away with pulling a Nintendo Doomsday in this in this case, and and said, "Hey, we're shutting down the servers at the end of March." But no, they're giving people a whole year, and that's really cool. I I, I definitely respect that. Yeah, I I have to give them respect for for giving people so much advance notice because that seems like a thing that almost never happens. And yeah. in addition to mm-hmm. that, just the, the fact that they're still running at all, <laughs> like I, I, I still have to, you know, it, it is funny what you're saying, though, Reb, because I do think about the very few times that I go into like a GameStop or something. And there's always at least one instance of somebody either like buying a game that I'm just shocked people even think about anymore. Like there's always right. somebody buying a really old game that I'm like, I can't imagine. No, nobody I know would would pick this up or be playing it but you're right there's a lot of people out there that for whatever their reasons are will will you know pick up like one game every every couple months or or they're still on really old technology playing these games and i do find it really deeply interesting that you know this this is even still a thing they're doing i, I think microsoft though to their credit is handling this the right way like putting the info out there mm-hmm. really early yeah yeah now here's here's the question: Is Master Chief Collection going to be on Switch by the time the Xbox 360 servers go down? Do we do we think it's going to Switch? Well, no, uh, via via XCloud, you know, because remember, there's you know the rumor is that I mean, no, eventually, no. So I kind of I don't think so either. But, there was yeah. an interview not wildly long ago, and I'm I'm like remembering this off the top of my head, I don't have it in front of me, but there was an interview not that long ago with, I, I it was probably Phil Spencer or some person at Xbox. Uh, <laughs> no, well, it was Phil Spencer because they were asking him about that specifically. They were like, you know, you said a while back that you really wanted to get xCloud and Xbox Game Pass on, you know, these other console platforms, you know, is that still the plan? And he said, well, yes, ideally we would love to have it on literally everything. However, um, due to, you know, various reasons, it there are other 
goodbye. <laughs> there yeah. are other there are other platforms that's easier to focus on right now. And he specifically called out um, like uh, like little TV streaming guys, like uh, Roku's and stuff, or um, all right Chromecast, little, little things like that. So he said that is. I think, like, the next focus, like, the easiest next place to put it and the most obvious next place to put it. And, yeah, he's open to the other stuff. But I I think, I assume there were talks going on at some point, which is why we heard all of those, you know, sudden news stories of, oh, they're putting xCloud on the Switch right now. And right. so I, I don't think that was fake. I don't think everyone just woke up one day, like, every journalist just woke up one day and decided, yeah, we're going to write about this random thing. Um, but it, it sounds like, it sounds like TV is probably what they're thinking of now. Like sure. for some reason that proved to be more complex than they anticipated. And so, yeah, I don't that makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think that, uh, it makes sense to like, you know, people buy these TVs now and there's so many integrated features in them for streaming media, adding xCloud to that slate gets, gets you more people than you'd probably get, uh, from the switch community. I would think like the people that would mm-hmm. be like, Oh, I can play Xbox games on this TV now. That's dope. I'll go buy a controller for that versus, you know, people who yeah. are already gamers who own a Switch. They probably already yeah. have made the decision in their mind whether or not they want to uh, support Xbox or whether they want xCloud. It, I, it I has think, that casual appeal because all of a sudden, you know, Joe Schmo can look and get his new smart TV and they're like, oh, hey, they have Madden. Sweet. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting. I wonder, I wonder if it comes at the cost of diluting the Xbox brand somewhat, though. Like, if people start to see it as the thing that exists in your TV or that, you know, the thing that you don't need to buy a box for. And maybe that is Microsoft's end goal. Um, maybe maybe they want to position Xbox more as a service than a than a platformer. You know, something to that effect. I and think they definitely not. do. Yeah. 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 I mean, they, they really said that was that their way. goal. They want people in the ecosystem first. They don't really care how they get you there. Um, I think it's it's definitely interesting, right? Like... We, they, they say, like, anecdotally a lot, they like to tout, like, oh, well, you know, when, when people subscribe to Xbox Game Pass and they get, like, a taste of all these games, we end up seeing actual sales numbers, like, for full-priced games go up because people have been exposed to them and now they want more. They see their friends playing them and now they want them. Um, I think, like, anecdotally that's really interesting for certain titles, but I'm interested to see long-term if that ends up being the case just across the board. Like, if it ends up being a business model that's good or if it, as you say, like, really dilutes both the Xbox brand but also the idea of full-priced games. Right, because yeah. what happens when, when people realize they can subscribe to a service and get hundreds of games, but then one game by itself is $70? Yeah. Then, you know, suddenly yeah, that value proposition becomes a little weird. <laughs> well, and also you have to consider the fact that, you know, this is going to be somewhat gated by people's internet connections, too. I mean, if you have a crappy internet connection, you're not going to be really able to take full advantage of this. So mm-hmm. this is going to be something that, that is more easily accessible to some more than others. And that, that's, I think, a hurdle that Microsoft's going to have to overcome somehow. Yeah. I think they'll be... Granted, it has, it's a different beast, but, you know, we've seen be, most people have Netflix and, you know, all the other streaming services. And, you know, that's become sort of the, the norm now. Um, you know, it's... I, I don't see it as much of an issue. Once you have people in that ecosystem, I think they'll stick with it. And it's like, well, it's just, you know get my Xbox and get my Game Pass and, hey, I have all these games I can just choose. Like, "Eh, I feel like playing this today. I think that really is the end goal. And when looking at games being priced at $70 at this new generation, it makes it even (laughs) more attractive, as Steve was saying. 
Yeah. I'm, I mean, a huge part of the reason why I bought a Series S as opposed to literally other any other new console is, one, it was cheaper than the X, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a big graphics nerd. Like, I'll, I'll take whatever. I don't care. It's going to look nicer than anything I'm playing right now. Um, but also, right. it's not just cheaper because it's a cheaper console, but I'm just going to... I'm just, I just got Game Pass. It's great. I, I don't need to buy 60 or $70 games on the PS5. Like, I've just got, like, 100 billion games, and they're all right there, <laughs> and it's a bunch of games that I want to play, and a bunch of games I didn't know I want to play, but I just saw them. It's like, oh, yeah, I have never played a Dragon Age game. I should get around to that now that EA Play is attached to it. So, yeah, um, they, they got me into their ecosystem. Good job, Xbox. You know, <laughs> I remember... Uh, reading your Twitter thread about when you got your Series S, and it was it was such a funny, like authentic thing that you did, where you were you were saying like justifying your purchase of the Series S. You're like, I don't even have a 4K TV, and then like a couple tweets later, you're like, Wait, I think I do have a 4K TV, <laughs> <laughs> and you were discovering like in real time that you had all the hardware you needed for the Series X, but it didn't really matter, no, right? I and I think mm-hmm. I think your experience is indicative of like what thousands upon thousands of gamers are will will realize, right? Like. Oh hey, I don't even like care enough about this TV. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to buy the console that's cheaper because I'll still play all the same games on it. And I think yeah. for ninety percent of people that, and that's being conservative. I think most the vast majority of people that buy these consoles don't really care about the specs. They don't care about anything yeah. other than does it play the games I want to play, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. They'll they'll make their you know they'll open their wallet accordingly. But I'll I'll be interested to see how this generation plays out because this is the first one in a while where I feel like all the primary competitors in the industry have wildly different philosophies and approaches to how they're going to make their money th- this next couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see who actually bet correctly this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I do think we end up seeing like obviously seeing higher Series X sales for the sh- sheer reason that they're going to have more available. Um, and but I think you're right. Like most people aren't thinking about the difference between the S and the S. They're showing up to a game, a GameStop or a Target or whatever, and they're going, "Okay, my kid wants the new Xbox. What's that?" And they're just yep. grabbing right. whichever happens to be in front of them. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think I think you are right. Like f- philosophy wise, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see the designs that that Microsoft has for the, for the next five years. Um, yeah, or, or well, because as you're saying, Steve, <laughs> I mean, as you're saying, the, the the for the first time, Microsoft and Sony, even leaving Nintendo out for a second, Microsoft and Sony for the first time are taking such starkly divergent approaches to the way they're positioning their current generation of hardware, uh, this generation. So, yeah, as you said, it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out for for both of them because we've never quite seen something like this before uh, in previous generations. So, yeah, I'm really curious to see how it. Uh, plays out not just overall but but by region as well yeah mm-hmm. for sure i think it'll make a huge difference i mean especially I- even if you kind of go more granular to the u.s i imagine that your your more traditional consoles will will do better in certain parts of the country where internet access isn't as readily available or, or ubiquitous as it is you know on the coasts uh so that'll that'll definitely be interesting um anyway Moving, moving on. We could probably talk all night, especially with Reb of I mean, all people about business yeah. practices and sales numbers. And stuff <laughs> like that. Sorry, you invited a business um, journalist on your podcast. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's cool. No, absolutely. It's that great. Is definitely it's a weak point have. of mine. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a weak point of most people in the industry, to be honest. Um, yeah. I, 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 I occupy true. a weird space. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, almost verbatim what I was going to say. But yeah, I don't think we've had another person as well versed in the business side of games as you on this uh show so that's really an interesting perspective to hear from Mm -hmm. um anyway moving on to something a little more 
obscure fun. or out there. F- fun, maybe? I don't know. I find I find talking about sales stuff fun. But um, are there any Geno fans in the house? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's always a Geno fan in the house I'm, somewhere. I'm with Reb over here. I'm I'm that's that's my uh that's I, I my actually agree this, with you but. too, Reb. I I have I, never understood the know. fervor behind Gino. I was always a Mallow fan myself. Right, that's where I was going with this. Why do people like stand Gino when we've got Mallow over here? Because exactly. I, my guess is is you have a puppet that shoots guns compared to a cloud who thinks he's a frog. <laughs> I mean that sounds cool. I so think anyway. I, 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 let's yeah. Let's throw this darling. up on the screen real quick so I can show it's people darling. why we're talking about Gino. Okay, and it's not just that? because Gino's not in Smash, which <laughs> right. by now, by now, oh, I hope that f- wound has healed. That's the funniest um, thing I ever heard. That was amazing. <laughs> was beautiful. I felt well, so funny. bad for Gino fans, even though I could not care less myself. I, I didn't. Gino was never going to be in Smash. In what universe was Gino? Yeah, going to be I in never Smash? thought he's not relevant no. enough anymore. And no. it, you know, he's a fun character. He's unique to the Mario series. He has, you know, he has a gun. I think I think that's the other thing. It's like, oh, it's a Mario character with a gun that shoots stars and he's this star spirit. You know, he has this badass look to him at least in the original game. And I think that's sort of the design and that sort of warrior aspect to him made him feel so different at the time that really stuck with people. But it's been so long that it's just not as interesting of a cut anymore. And that's not to take anything away from the Geno fans. It's just the vast majority of people don't really care about Geno because my final party in Super Mario RPG is Mario, Peach, and Bowser. I'm sorry. They're just the best party. That said, it is really cool to see these older designs of Geno that does have that sort of warrior aspect to them, the star design, um, the puppet aspect, like different ideas with the sword, and I, I think they look pretty cool, honestly. I think it looks cooler than actual Gino, honestly. Yeah, same. If, I was you, about showed to me, yeah. if you showed me this yeah. guy and told me this guy was going to be in Smash, I'd be like, I don't know who he is, but I'm down. If you show me Gino and <laughs> yeah. say he's going to be in... Oh, another anime sword character, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just... 100% yeah, we just though. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, with the possible true. exception of the top right design, the other three, I think, all unilaterally look way cooler than the actual Gino we got. Straight, yeah, straight up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Real quick, they the all have- answer, Fantasy Thinker fan. You say he's not relevant anymore, Derek, but Terry got in not too long ago. King of Fighters is still getting new games. Yeah. I, you, you could make that, that argument about Banjo-Kazooie, though. I mean, Banjo-Kazooie, sure. as much as I love them, they aren't relevant anymore, but they, you know, people just wanted them in Smash for so long that it mm. happened. But, but I would also say that Banjo-Kazooie... Are a bigger were a bigger deal back in their day Absolutely. than Gino ever was. You can also RPG. still play Banjo Kazooie on modern systems. Guess what? You can't True. play on the Switch. <laughs> Very good point. I got my SNES Super classic Super though. The only, online, the only way I could see them ever putting anybody from Super Mario RPG in there, which by the way, there's already multiple characters from Super Mario RPG in Smash, including Mario, Peach, and Bowser. Um, nice. <laughs> you, uh. You, uh, the only way I see them doing that is if they're going to like port the damn thing, and they're not going to port the damn thing. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to I want to point out something that Imran dropped in the chat, because I had no idea about this. He says, uh, Gino is weirdly referenced in Moon, that PS1 RPG. What? Are we going to talk about that? Moon? Is it Moon time? I mean, let's. I've not played my first game of the year, Steve. Really? Really? Yes. Nice. 
Yes. I've I've got to check this out. I I mean the Gino reference alone has me interested, but uh, but give me the quick uh, give me the elevator pitch on Moonrev because I've never played it. Yes. Okay. I'm here for this. This is great. I did not know I was going to be talking about Moon today. Okay. <laughs> so Moon is an anti RPG that was released and I believe off the top of my head 1997 for the PS1 only in Japan. Oh And wow. like like it was. I think it did fine. I think. Um, it was specifically marketed as like an anti-RPG. Um, it never made it west. And then a couple years ago, Toby Fox, the developer of Undertale, said, I think, I don't remember if it was like in an interview or a tweet or something. He was like, yeah, um, I was inspired by Moon. Toby Fox never actually played Moon, but he like had the idea of Moon in his head. Yeah, he's nice. acknowledged, he acknowledged that. I'm not insulting Toby Fox. He acknowledged he did not play Moon up to that point. Um, but he had the ideas from it in his head. Like he had read about it and seen like screenshots and stuff. Um, and he ended up like, when he went to Japan or whatever, he ended up like meeting the original creator of moon was like hey you ever gonna bring this west and the guy's like no i mean maybe and then like that got that guy's wheels turning there's a really great waypoint interview where like they explain that toby fox talking to them actually inspired this and so this year moon released on the switch thanks to green onion green onion games onion games Oh, man, I'm going to get that uh, one. Might um, just be Onion, I think. <laughs> I think it's Onion Games. Uh, so Moon is this little, it's, it's an anti-RPG, and this is the, you, the, the game opens, you're this little boy who has gotten this new RPG from the store, and he puts it in his console, he starts nice. playing it, and it like it, it does like a couple little, like multiple like little shots basically showing you his progression through the game, where he's this hero, he comes around, he's like slaying monsters, um, he's, you know, going up to fight the dragon in the castle and save the princess and all this other stuff, and he does all this stuff, and then as he finishes the game, he gets up to go to bed, and he gets sucked into the TV, and he enters the world of moon and in the world of moon everything is colored a little it's a little bit different than what he just experienced the hero is not a hero the hero is a jerk who's going around like <laughs> like killing all these innocent monsters and just annoying everybody and, and pissing off all the townspeople and so you as this boy follow behind in his footsteps and save the souls of the monsters that you come across by like doing things to kind of make them feel fulfilled so like you see like their their corpses basically and you kind of examine them and you have like this little encyclopedia that gives you information on what that monster is and so maybe like maybe it's a monster that's really shy and likes to hide and so you have to like kind of turn your back and wait for it to show up and then like really quickly turn around and grab it or whatever um or maybe it's one that likes heights so you have to like go up to the top of a cliff in order to encounter it or whatever and so you do this as you're going through the game and you meet like all these interesting characters and as as you rescue souls and as you do favors for the characters that you meet you gather love or levels um so you level up by gathering love and the whole thing operates on a like a constant in-game clock so there's like a day and night cycle and when you first start out you can't stay awake without collapsing for like even a full day like you have very little time to do everything that oh, you need wow, to do and, and all the villagers have like built-in patterns and things that they do so like if you want to like help somebody out you have to catch them like at a specific time of day or in a specific spot and there's a full there's a full seven day week as well so like some people might do things on monday that they don't do on like friday nice. or whatever um but as Jeez. you gain love you're able to stay awake for longer until eventually you can stay awake for like multiple days at a time um and the i, I won't spoil the end of the game but it is like I don't know, the whole thing is very charming, and the, and the writing is really good. The localization is actually really fantastic, and the music is, ugh. Um, my, that's what uh, I like sorry. to hear. Thanks. Yeah, sorry, oh, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll no, stop that's like, awesome. gushing about it. Was... I will do a shameless plug. I got to interview the composers Ooh. of Moon's music. Um, it is absolutely incredible. It's basically, there's a few like tunes built into the game, but most of the game is silent until you get, um, you have this like music player in your uh, menu, and you start collecting uh, Moon discs or, you know, 
basically records as you go throughout your journey and you can play them and they are straight bops it's not like standard video game music it's like like pop and electronic and funk and all these like different genres and there's something that i think sounds like a ripoff of i think everyone said something in like dragon quest or something nice. um, but they're all like these different things you can just play whatever you want as you walk and you can build a playlist for yourself that'll automatically go through the tracks that you've selected oh it is really good everyone should play it it's my run-up game of the year i loved it wow it sounds great See, heard people I, talk about this, especially when it was getting close to yeah. release. People just singing the praises of it, uh, and I, I kept hearing anti RPG when I was looking. at it. I was like, no, this is more of an adventure game, more the, 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 not so much an RPG. And I think that the creator went on to make like Chulip and other weird exper- experimental adventure games like that uh, as time goes on. And I'm curious about checking out, but I also heard it could be very overwhelming upon first playing it because of that day-night mechanic and figuring out what exactly you need to do is it seems like it takes quite a bit of patience to enjoy all that it does i will say there is a the onion games specifically published like basically like what would normally be an instruction manual baked in with like a boxed game from that era Mm. they published that on their website and i highly recommend reading that first it's not complicated but it just basically says hey you have a limited amount of time to do things. Here's how you get more time. Here's where you go at the end of the day so that you can save your progress and not lose everything when you collapse. Like, it's really simple and it just kind of explains it. And I think just reading that is enough to get it. Um, it is an older game in the sense that, like, a, lo- a lot of the puzzles are kind of challenging because the game gives you only very vague clues in very specific spots. Um, it very much wants you to talk to literally everybody at multiple times a day Um it very early on you get like you learn the ability you can show items to people and they'll have you know they'll have like throwaway lines like oh i don't know what that is but a lot of them will have like specific lines when shown certain items that will give you more information about what to do with that item what their character is what they might be doing later like all these other things it's like it's kind of time consuming and i did have to use a guide to get through a couple of the later like because i was trying to get all of the monsters you don't have to get all of you you have to get like a certain amount um but i did have to use a guide for a little bit but it's it's good it's really really genuinely good also i was trying to mention and i totally forgot um the the Gino reference is there's like a puppet character in the castle whose name is just Noge or Noji. It's just Gino backwards, and it looks oh, like nice. Gino. Oh. Um, and I I can't remember the reason why. I think it. I think I, we we looked this up, but I can't remember if like one of the developers from Super Mario RPG worked on this game and just put the tribute in. But yeah, he's in there. Oh, that's well, really just funny. from nice. your description, I can totally see what parts of Moon's DNA exist in Undertale. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. you can, oh, absolutely. Like, even uh, having love, you you know, you, you gain new love levels and absolutely. saving monster souls. I mean, it's that's so Undertale. So that's very interesting to hear that, that, that a lot of that came from Moon. Even yeah. the ending has, I, I am not going to spoil this, but if you have played Undertale and know the scene that happens right before the, f- I mean, it's, it's an older game. If you... If you played Undertale and know the scene that happens right before the Flowey fight on a pacifist run that's not true pacifist, um, there's a scene basically exactly like that at the end of Moon. Like, nice. dead on. Mm. Oh, <laughs> wow. Right. wow. Very cool. That yeah. that makes sense, because earlier while we were talking, Imran said that uh, he does not believe that Toby Fox didn't actually play this game. He was like, <laughs> I think he's lying. <laughs> uh, another interesting thing that uh, Jared Edinger mentioned in the chat was that uh, one of our previous guests, Tim Rogers, localized Moon. So uh, oh. a little bit of oh, a link neat. to the show there. Oh, that's cool. That's I didn't know cool. he that. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, I, I didn't know he was involved with it either. So that that's really cool. I'll, I I now have a multitude of reasons to check out Moon. So yeah. He did a I damn good little... job. That game's got really great writing. 
Nice. So yeah, hmm. I'll have to I'll have to check that out now. Speaking of video games that release to uh, <laughs> in a little bit of a different uh, situation, <laughs> Cyberpunk, uh, the New York Times published an article titled Cyberpunk 2077 was supposed to be the biggest video game of the year. What happened? Uh, and in it, they mentioned that there is likely a class action lawsuit coming uh, CD Projekt Red's way. I feel like this is the game we can't stop talking about, but for none of the right reasons. <laughs> so, um, I think that's just the game I, industry right now. I am just going to gently throw this out there. Um, it, the 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 summation of what that is is there is an attorney in Warsaw who is basically going, "Hey, um, we're thinking our legal our our law law firm is thinking there might be a class action lawsuit here." If you're pissed off and think you might have a case, come talk to us. That is oh. like the extent of what has happened here. Nothing has yeah. been like actually filed. They don't. It does the the letter that he has written. I mean, I'm just going through Google Translate, but because it's it's in Polish, but it doesn't like indicate that they already have any plaintiffs. Um, oh, so, okay. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, given kind of the upsetness that has you know happened yeah. here. And but, people's general but we're not that far nature. Along yet. Yeah. Yeah, and just you know the culture in America, especially here with, with you know our lawsuit happy culture, um, that would not surprise me. I mean, people sue over far less than a buggy video game launch, so I would not be surprised if this does end up in a in an actual lawsuit with plaintiffs. Yeah, I I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if a class action sprung up from this, but it is interesting to know that this is less of like an official thing and more of like a Saul Goodman kind of situation right now. <laughs> yeah. Right, um, but I find. I, I don't know. I, there's also the, the second story today about Cyberpunk, which is apparently if your save file on PC gets over 8 megabytes in size, it just doesn't work anymore, I guess. Um, it crushed the save file, yeah. I skimmed yeah. over these. I spent most of the day working on our Cyberpunk review, which hopefully will come out tomorrow. Maybe. <laughs> but, um, I love how your Cyberpunk review beat my Hyrule Warriors review. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm, which they, mine's almost... I, I'm working on that. that. The script is finished, so it's... Yeah, Blame it, blame it on the difference in age between our children. <laughs> mine, mine all walk and, and can get yeah. themselves right. I can, I, I have a big one and a few little ones, and I can tell the big one to help the little ones. It's perfect. It's like having Pikmin, but they speak English. <laughs> we so. have all finished it now, though, so we're ready to talk about it when we when we do get around to that. When the reviews all... probably post Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, right. we have we have some other pressing things to get through. We still have an obscure games discussion to do, which I we need to schedule. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's difficult this time of year. Sorry, but the we holidays. will do it. We yeah. want to do it, but we we, we, meant, we'll we were supposed those. to do it last weekend, but it just I mean the weekend, but it just got away from us with how busy the holidays are. But we yeah. have not forgotten, and we're still going to schedule it with, uh, or I'm going to schedule it with uh, Damiani. So yeah, no so, worries there. Real, real quick, I, because I think we've talked about cyberpunk like to death, right? Um, I want to, but Reb, you we haven't gotten to to get your take on this game at all. Have you played it at all? Have you? Have oh you no, messed with Reb no, with no, it? no. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, to be completely candid, uh, this was this was never a game for me, um, which is fine. Not all games, not sure. all video games are for Rebecca. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, and so you know, they, I, I saw you know the the well, they announced it a million years ago, but I saw a trailer for it one time and looked at it and go, okay, cool, not for me. Um, and then they worked extremely hard over the next several years to just really dig in and hit pound home the fact that this is not a game for me um i i very much opted out due to the extremely problematic marketing and issues surrounding various transphobic content uh lots of other weird nonsense that uh, i just did not care for but i will say 
I have, having not spent $60 on this game and not, you know, being in a position where I have to write about it or, you know, review it or cover it because my job is tied to it, you know, being being free in that wonderful way. Um, looking at the bug videos is really pretty funny. Um, I saw, <laughs> I, I've seen just, I saw just a fantastic one the other day where a guy like, 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 just an absolute like car wreck of of mistakes going on, and then then a man climbs out the top of a sideways car, hovers in the air for a minute, says "Ola," and then the car explodes underneath him for no reason, uh, which was just incredible. I've seen like the naked people t posing out of cars, the one person whose entire street was just all people wearing the exact same outfit. Uh, Jason Schreier had an amazing tweet that was just tiny trees all over the place. Oh, that's Maybe right, that, I yeah, saw that one. That's either Jason or Stephen Totillo. Oh, it was one of those people. I think that was um, Jason. Okay, maybe it was Jason, but the tiny trees is really funny. I love looking at dumb nonsense from this game, and this this thing that you have put on for like for us to this uh, keep a lower amount of items. That is so funny to me. That is rid- why would you no fix <laughs> <laughs> your bug? It's really uh, funny. I love it. Yeah, it, it is really really, <laughs> really bizarre is. to me, especially you know I played. So, so for the review, I played through it on PlayStation 5, um, which, which is just the PS4 version running on better hardware, right? right. Um, and it, it was still, like, a mess. Like, it, was, it, was, it crashed a lot. It had lots of bugs. But I was able to get through the game with minimal frustration. Like, I, I mean, there were a couple quests where, like, I would definitely have to reload the quest to get it to work. Uh, one in particular involved getting a car. And the car was the reward, but to complete the quest, I had to get in the car. And the car was in a room full of cars that were exactly like it. (laughs) And they were parked so close together that the doors could not open. And I had to load it, no joke, four times for... To, to be gifted a car that was far far enough away from the other cars for me to enter it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would, I would say I wouldn't be shocked at all if a bunch of angry gamers sued uh, I mean, Project for this. Yeah, just because gamers tend to get like their severe retribution. Yeah. I mean, I just, oh, it's, yeah, like, I mean, hard to be part of a class action lawsuit. Like, you have to have resources or a firm willing to, like, represent you in such a way that it doesn't matter that you have resources. Um, this guy is in Warsaw, so it doesn't sound like American gamers would be a part of this. Um, I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. who his firm represents. Um, but if if a lawyer in the U.S. popped up and said something like that, I imagine people would show up. And But, but they also, you know, they have to legally have a case. And I... yeah. I can't recall a whole lot of video game class action lawsuits that have gone like super well. Most of them involve like hardware situations, if I remember correctly, or like monetization situations. A lawsuit for this game is bad doesn't really work. I was looking it up a second ago trying to figure out if there was ever one around like Fallout 76 or No Man's Sky, and I can't seem to find anything like that. So I don't know. I don't know that it would really go anywhere. Didn't we have a uh, Joy-Con Drift class action? Or did that... We did. Yes. Yeah. Whatever I happened? With I think that? multiple. <laughs> I'm not sure. There's actually. been a lot. Yeah, there yeah. are multiple. There's like one I think in the yeah. UK, and there's one going on in the US. That one I think is a little bit different because it's actually like a physical product that you could say, "Hey, this is faulty." Um, that that's I think like a little bit different. Oh yeah. Okay. It looks mm-hmm. like there was a law firm investigating Bethesda over their Fallout 76 refund policy. Um, I had <laughs> never heard about where that went. I should I should look that up and figure it out. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I always wonder. There's been a lot of messes like this, but Cyberpunk seems to have like overtaken them all in a way mm-hmm. that we've just not not seen. Like I heard bad things about Fallout 76, 
but at least it seemed mostly playable, you know, in Bethesda terms. But this has gone beyond Bethesda, which is really saying something, because, you know, Bethesda has that reputation, and I'm almost wondering, can CD Projekt Red survive this? Oh, yeah. I mean, they. I think they I, will, but they have burned away pretty much all the goodwill they've built up from The Witcher 3 over the years. I mean, they've, I, they've really I, burned up a lot of that goodwill. They'll survive, yeah. no doubt about oh, yeah. it in my, my mind. They'll be fine. Money. Yeah, I yeah, was going to exactly. say, you guys, you guys are summoning my inner cynic. Like, <laughs> there's no way that they... <laughs> I, I think they take their lumps from this, but the minute they announce something that has a good trailer, that's it. Everybody will... The, the same people that are angry about Cyberpunk will be happy about whatever the next really exciting CDPR game is. And and that's just right. how it works in this industry, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Like, people have very short memories. And, you know, they'll say, oh, man, this launched bad. And pe- there will be people out there saying, oh, The Witcher 4 or whatever the next big game from CD Projekt is. Oh, The Witcher 4, you know, get it six months after because it'll be terrible on day one. But you'll still have millions of people buying it, whatever it is. Right. So I still, I, I, mean, it, I yeah. think there's like a middle ground there. I, th- I think they have definitely, they will not get back the goodwill they earned after Witcher 3. Like, like they could have like launched literally anything after Witcher 3 and people would have bought True. it just on the virtue of the Witcher 3 being good. I do think, I think the level of upsetness we are seeing at the moment, um, and, and especially because people will forgive a lot of things in video games, but like literally not functioning at a triple A level is yeah. is pretty high on people's like okay that's bad lists and I think the anger that we're seeing I think that'll stick around I don't think that people are going to be quite as quick to trust them in the future they're going to have to do a lot of work to earn back that goodwill but I, I do agree with you I think that it will be far easier than it should be for them yeah. to get that back absolutely yeah, yeah. I you know I do have this uh, <laughs> I remember. I was really excited because shortly after The Witcher 3 came out, like the following year or, or maybe two years after, I, I can't quite remember, but CD Projekt Red reached out to me and invited me to a meeting at the following E3. And I was really excited. I was like, oh my God, the guys that made The Witcher 3 want to meet with me and want to talk about whatever they're working on. Hell yes. And uh, they had been, if, if you've never been to E3 before E3 starts, and I know everyone on this call has, but for our audience's sake, uh, LA is very much in a, in a weird state where like buildings are halfway plastered with ads. And so a lot of folks that are there <laughs> early have true. fun trying to figure out what the hell game is going to be on the side of some of the larger buildings in Los Angeles. And I remember on one of them, I could see a CDPR logo and I was like, oh, that must be what I'm meeting them about. They, they rented, you know, they took out a huge ad space. This must be like the next big, big game from them. And I, uh, the day of my meeting, I was walking and I made sure to take the route that would lead me past that building so I could get some idea because they told me it was a secret game and they would not give me any info on it. But of course, being CD Projekt Red, I took the meeting and it was Gwent. I was so deflated. I remember I was sitting and I was sitting in the hallway with my with my partner in crime who was uh, going to the meeting with me and I was like, they invited us because it was fucking Gwent. And I was like, this is the, I, this almost isn't worth it. And right to like three feet to the right of me, I hear uh, someone go, are you ready for your meeting? And it was the person that was going to demo it had been within earshot the whole time of me complaining oh, about no. how sad I was that it was Gwent. <laughs> it was the oh, most awkward meeting of my life. That's the worst. 
Yeah, I mean that. I, I mean, it, I didn't have the uh, the interpersonal element, but being that deflated reminds me of uh, when d- during some GX year at E3, uh, we were invited to a roundtable for a new 3DS game uh, by Nintendo, a developer roundtable, and for some reason. You know, there were whispers going around that it was going to be a new 2D Metroid. And so, you know, we were kind oh of excited God, and hyped. And it, right. And then it turned out to be codenamed Steam, which Derek, and I, I know, was the only one excited. I know. That was I know. a bad game. You <laughs> love codenamed Steam, Derek, but I was so. I, I, I'm sitting there like, this looks yeah. cool because I, I it was, gave yeah. me Valkyria Chronicle vibes. And I was like, yes, I'm all about this. I haven't had Valkyria Chronicles in a while. <laughs> Let's do this. And it turned out to be a good game. Nobody else cared. No, I straight I, up. I, I, I almost fell asleep during that. I did the, not yeah. love that game. It was so long. It was buggy. It. Had I didn't so come across any bugs. I just enjoyed it. I, I, I thought my, it was my, fun. Com- I, my version was buggy. I had oh. some interesting racial stereotypes. <laughs> Ooh. That it did. That Man. it did. Yeah, and, and I just also wasn't into the subject matter, and so I was just like fighting to stay awake. Of course, anybody who's been to E three knows you're fighting to stay awake at the end of the day, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. As as yeah. much it's as I hate to day. say it, Reb has inadvertently provided us with the best possible segue into our next story, talking about uncomfortable <laughs> racial stuff. Oh uh, let's go ahead and throw Ooh. that up on the screen. Ooh. And that is this tweet thread from Twitch, which <laughs> just begins with, "We've had questions about the use of the N word on We've Twitch." Questions, <laughs> which I can't imagine what those I, questions are. <laughs> I can't, can't imagine, huh? Uh, but can I say this? Well, no. The thing is, I feel like there's plenty of questions one could ask about what words Twitch will and will not allow. But I feel like the answer should be just really simple, yeah. just very easy. Yeah, I yeah, feel like it should be. If you have to ask if you can use the N-word, you probably shouldn't be using it. Um, oh, no, yeah. no. I meant more in the sense of, like, hey, Twitch, why are you allowing this on your platform? Oh, yeah, yeah. That questions. too. Yeah. I did not mean the other kind of quest. Oh, no. I just mean if you're if you're reaching out to Twitch asking if you can use it. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. You, you probably I mean, yeah, are you, wired You've already lost the plot. I've already lost yeah, the plot. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, and I guess all, they've also uh, banned the word simp, which is fantastic because anybody who uses that word automatically, to me, that and cuck, like anybody who uses that word, I'm like, what are you even doing? Like, if you're using that word unironically, you just you've lost the plot again. Uh, just like, yes, yeah. I chalked it up to the younger generation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm probably a bit too old for the whole. <laughs> I, I miss the boat on simp and cuck. Um, I, I will say that. I, I don't like I don't know maybe it, because it's an insult that came up like after I was already a grown man it just doesn't yeah I, I don't even think it simp is an insult the way, that's but the thing here's here's I here how I feel about this and community building in general is that I mean is it that hard to tell if somebody's trying using something with the intent to be unkind and yeah if so like mm-hmm. can't a moderator like a human being <laughs> you know suss that out pretty easily like oh hey you're call like even if you're calling somebody an inoffensive or or a word that is deemed to be generally inoffensive but you're doing it to antagonize another human being like you're being a dick <laughs> if you're if you're being yeah. a dick on on any platform in any way shape or form just get out go home there's better things to do than antagonize people on the internet so I want to, like, kind of clarify what this was. Cause there, yeah, please. There was a I'm, lot of, like, weird, like, headlines about this 
when it was like last week that I think did not get to the context of this. So these these rules that they're they're putting out there actually like were published at the very beginning of December, like on the 9th. And then it got like a new spotlight when Twitch had to apparently clarify these things. Um, so this is, I'm, I'm reading off uh, my editor, Brendan Sinclair's article over at gamesindustry.biz just because he summed it up really, really well. Um, but basically, Twitch is like trying to crack down on objectifying or harassing behavior just in a blanket way. So um, they're banning unwanted advances, asking for nudes, objectifying statements, repeated comments Good. about a person's attractiveness, discussing yeah. desire to perform graphic sex acts on a public figure. Um, <laughs> they're moderating people who offer revenge porn, sharing leaked nudes of someone without consent, using a person's physical appearance or clothing to describe them as sexually immoral, suggesting that a person use sexual favors to make their channel popular and avoid being banned, or repeatedly targeting people with terms like whore or virgin. So basically, they're trying to broadly cut down on people who are using sex in some way to be antagonistic, harassing, or awful. And so yeah. those things fell under that blanket ban. Like, they're not banning use of the word virgin completely, but if you're going around to people's channels calling them a virgin to be a <laughs> jerkwad, okay. yeah, then you're going to get in be... trouble, which you should, because you're harassing you people by calling them insulting yeah. names. So, But then yeah. people ran with it and was like, oh, Twitch is just banning the word simp, which is not what they are doing. Um, gotcha. And it's mm. it's interesting, like, a lot of these things are really good, like, they're also, you know, they're, they've they said they've always banned hate speech and hate symbols, but now they're explicitly banning hate groups, which, like, how did it take you this long? Amazing. Yeah, we had <laughs> four years to do this. Yeah. Um, they're explicitly <laughs> banning use of black, brown, yellow, and red face. Um, they're explicitly banning the Confederate flag. Again, how the hell did it take these lo- this long? Yeah. Um, so they're banning a whole bunch of things. Um, that part is all really good. They're also cr- also very good. They're cracking down on people who are, like, going out and deliberately misgendering people, uh, which is really good. Like, yes. if, if you screw up, like, nice. you don't know, that's not a big deal. But, like, if Right. If you, you know, are continuing to do it. Um, the thing that really bugged me about this policy is uh, they're not implementing it until January 22nd. Um, and everything is Ooh. grandfathered in. So if you just show what? a Confederate flag in your stream at any point up until January 22nd, that's fine. Of it's course. whatever. Why Retroactive racism have... is fine. So Why anyway. not just do it immediately? What the hell? Oh, because they got to give people time to adjust. They're gonna yeah. yeah, they're gonna let the worst people adjust to become more racist and yeah. sexist exactly. before. Jesus that is God. wow, wow. Yeah. Uh, Twitch, so, Twitch always yeah. finds a way to to take a good position and fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, well, that's just, that's yeah. what happened. That's the Twitch thing, and it it got weirdly thrown out of whack. And yeah, you, people think you know people like to cherry pick the big things that you know, our big news. Like it's not that all this being done is like, no, no, they're banning simp. And it's like, how, yeah, how that's dare the they? Thing we're worried about yeah. as opposed to, you know, well, that's sort of right. maybe it, it, celebrating that they're banning a lot of things they should have banned like years ago. Yeah. You know, yeah, more, more people want to yeah. be outraged about the fact, you know, it's like, ah, oh, they're taking away our, you know, freedom of speech. But, type yeah. Stuff. My free spree, you know, my, my right to harass people, my right to be an asshole. Right. They're taking it away. I will never understand the appeal uh, uh, that, that, that holds for some people just to be an asshole. I don't – I will never understand the appeal of harassing people mm-hmm. and just generally making a nuisance of yourself. I just – I don't get it. I guess it yeah. also just, like, baffles me. Like, okay, here I am, a person. I want to set up a platform that people can 
come and put, con- <laughs> and put content on in, of some form. Um, I'm sitting down in a meeting with my other people who are in charge of the platform. We're saying, okay, what kinds of content do we want and what kinds of content do we not want? And on the, when we're getting to the not want part of the discussion, who are we banning? I feel like the very first people on the list, Nazis? Uh, yeah. The KKK yeah. on there? Anybody yeah. displaying the Confederate flag? I First on the list, people saying the N-word, Out. Like, yes. that is yeah. such an easy, that's so easy. That's the most obvious thing you ban. Why did it take this long? What are you doing? I mean, yeah. I think I think the, you know, the, the elephant in the room answer, though, is, is because, yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of implicit knowledge that a, a an unfortunately, I don't want to say wide swath, but a wide enough swath of their user base of, of you know, of gamers are those people. And they okay. don't want to alienate those people and lose that money, which is yeah. not right. It's that that should not be the driving factor. But, you know, as we know, capitalism, money talks. That's, I was about to say, you know, corp- corporations right. and virtue aren't exactly good bedfellows usually. Yeah. So. It's, that, it's also <laughs> that very Silicon yeah. Valley-like attitude of, oh, well, free speech, right? We need to let everybody be able to, you know, free marketplace of ideas, everybody. We need to let uh, everybody to be able to express yeah. themselves equally. We don't want to make value judgments or get political. I mean, you know. You know. And, and as, as so oh, many I people have said that. over the years... Freedom, freedom of speech does not mean freedom from consequences, and I think that's right. what's been lost in all of this. It's like, yeah, yeah, you're free to say that stuff, but you're still going to have to face the consequences of what certain things you say. Mm-hmm. And, and I hate, uh, I hate the politics, the the politics excuse, just because you know, oh well, we don't want to get political. Racism isn't politics; it's not political; <laughs> it's racism. Straight up, racism is racism. There's nothing political about it. Either yep. you're racist or you're not. Period. Like it, it's it's very simple, and or or either you're you're open to racism or you're not. And it's yeah. not political. It's just racism. Ah, it drives me crazy. You gotta be afraid. Yeah, you always have to cringe whenever you hear the phrase. I'm not racist, but I'm not sexist, oh. <laughs> but I'm not this, but yeah. It's like I don't but. see color. I'm not racist. I don't see color. Yeah. <laughs> All of those things, yeah, just mm, drive yeah. me up the wall. I, I I personally think that you know people people seem to forget that freedom of speech doesn't give you the freedom to speak wherever you want at any time about anything. Like you can, yeah. you know, you, there is such a thing as constitutionally per- protected speech, but it doesn't mean you can go into a fucking Costco and start shouting your racist beliefs like they can still tell you to get out like yeah and and the, and as, the internet yeah. is the same way if if you know if somebody comes on gvg <laughs> and this would never happen but if somebody is here in in reb's little corner of the screen and says something deplorable we would unanimously kick them the hell out of here and ask them to never come back uh right. you know just because you're on the internet mm. or because you're in you know in a jimmy john's in south dakota doesn't mean you can <laughs> you have the right to uh, you know piss everyone off um mm. So yeah, it's it's just uh, it's yeah you know as it, it's it's not a political issue. Human rights are should never be politicized. Everyone should have the same rights, and we need to recognize that that's not the way the country is right now. And we should except for be. Nazis, they don't deserve the same rights. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, if, if you're a Nazi, well. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know what to say to you. Where hopefully I'd never meet you. I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. it? I yeah. I am speed running life on a zero Nazi encounter path. So Ooh. hopefully, nice. hopefully I, I keep my. See, keep the my problem pace. is we got sick of World War Two games. We needed to keep those going for a while because 
Apparently they were teaching something. Yeah. Right. Also, if you see a Nazi, you have to punch the Nazi. And that, that takes, it's, if it's a speed run, that takes up, that you lose seconds for that. Yeah, exactly. Oof, that's true. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to lose valuable seconds on my life speed run punching Nazis. I mean, that said, though, should you appear Nazi, I will punch you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you know, you know what? You know what's great about uh, games? that you don't always have to think about Nazis when you're playing them. <laughs> Unlike real life <laughs> in 2020, apparently. Uh, so with that in mind, I'm going to go ahead and throw up our next story on the screen. Very different from Nazis. Don't worry. More Animal Crossing <laughs> updates are coming in 2021. Uh, this comes from Polygon's interview with Doug Bowser, like the most aptly named Nintendo president in history. Um <laughs> And basically, he just confirms what what I think many of us probably believed, given its success, and that's that Animal Crossing will continue getting new content into 2021, uh, which makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's it's the yeah. most popular game Nintendo put out this year, probably in the last couple of years, but I don't have the figures in front of me to confirm that. Um, there's another tidbit to this story from the same interview where Doug mentions that the uh, Switch is halfway through its life cycle or that he believes the Switch is halfway through its life cycle. I don't think this means what everyone thinks it means, but I'll get to that first. Agreed. I want to talk about Animal mm. Crossing, especially after what we were just talking about as a nice little <laughs> palate cleanser going in. Uh, Reb, you wrote an excellent piece on oh, gamesindustry.biz that I just finished reading before we started the episode about how Animal Crossing is your game of the year. And uh, I, I recently went on a whole rant that I've that I've done like in two or three episodes now about how it should have won game of the year. So I want to hear from you. Uh, can you summarize for the fine folks in the audience uh, what your take on Animal Crossing is and why it is deserving of uh, that honor? Oh, it's wonderful. So, I mean, I... <sighs> I'm not going to get into the whole this was the game we needed in the pandemic thing because every website has had that take. Um, and I think it's it's true. They are all correct. Um, but I am i don't even need to go there. Um, I, I have always... I've loved Animal Crossing since Wild World. I played so much Wild World. I played so much New Leaf. I, I was hyped up for this game before it was even announced because I knew there was no way they didn't make another Animal Crossing. Um, but honestly, like... I, I always... I like picking smaller games as my game of the year. Like, I don't... I try to pick the game that made me feel the happiest and that usually ends up being like a small game that I only played for like a week or two that, you know, just really resonated with me. I was really leaning towards Moon. Um, I thought about Blaseball. I thought about Yakuza 0, which is, you know, not as small, but, you know, smaller than Animal Crossing in like budget, I guess. Um, but when I saw the Game Awards, um, they did, you know, the Game of the Year, like orchestra montage at the very end and they're playing, you know, like The Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima and Final Fantasy VII um, and uh, uh, Hades and it's all this, you know, na 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 music, like the whole time. That's what it sounded <laughs> like, yes. And then at the yeah. very end, all of a sudden, Animal Crossing just cuts in with just like, it felt like sunlight bursting through the clouds, <laughs> just like the theme. And I like started tearing up and I realized I can't write about literally any other game because I put 500 hours into that game I've been playing, wow. I'm still playing it. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to open up that game and play it, like, again, because I play it almost every day in the morning before I start work. Um, and it just, that game makes me happy. Um, I think, I think when it first came out, there was, like, you know, some conversation about, oh, is it too, like, gamey now? Is it too gamified, like, with the Nook Miles and all, like, the objectives? Um, and I think, like, if you're just, I, I think 
the pandemic kind of did it no favors in that particular respect because everyone was home doing nothing. And so everyone was just like mad dashing through all the objectives of that game. I was too. But Animal Crossing has always been a long game. It's never been a game about like trying to complete objectives and like, like level up and finish, you know, the whatever. It's about like the slow change of seasons, like the day to day, the long, the long term. Um, and I have hit the point where I don't have any more goals in that game. I mean, I might re- I might try to get some seasonal furniture, but it's not like top of my list. I don't care. Um, I, I log on like I'll log on. I, I open that game almost every single day <laughs> because like I want to like go talk to my villagers and I want to like wave at them or give them a gift or like, you know, see one of them sitting under a tree, like eating a bowl of soup and sit next to them and just be for a minute or do stretch now i can like now i can do stretches with them and like sit down on the ground with them like that's new and we got so excited about that because it's this game about just these little moments that don't actually give you any reward like there's no reward for sitting down next to a character and just like being with them there's yeah you can get items but at a certain point you have most of the items like you have everything set up like you don't really need anything new um it's just a game about these little moments and about like being kind. It's like a kindness simulator. Like you, you be kind to your villagers and you get like these happy reactions. Uh, there's no, there's no like malice. Like no one's gonna in in the real world. Sometimes you can be nice to people and they can be jerks back and you feel like crap. <laughs> and in Animal Crossing, that never happens. Everyone's just lovely and you can kind of create these little meta narratives in your in your head about you know who your characters are based on the things they say to you. Um, but it's all just this. You know, it's like happiness without reward but the reward is the happiness um and that's that's how i feel about it and that's how i've felt about animal crossing always and i think new horizons like like does the absolute best job of that of any game in the series like it fully realizes this idea of just like little tiny moments of delight like here and there um and yeah it just it it touches my heart like every time i play it i just like smile and i'm just like i'm happy and calm and i feel good when i play it and i don't I don't know when I'll stop playing Animal Crossing. I'm sure I will eventually. Like, you know, you eventually stop. I stopped playing New yeah. Leaf after a while. But mm-hmm. but for right now, it, like, makes me really happy. And, like, I can tell that the people who made it value kindness and they value happiness. And it's really nice to be reminded that people like that exist and are making games. And that a lot of people rallied around that vision and really enjoyed that game for those reasons. I love that. Like, that, it, it is a great way to put it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it def- definitely, you know, I when I reviewed it, I described it as a game that makes you smile. And, oh, we lost Derek. Derek was unhappy. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, I've been just fixing myself constantly because for some reason I like to freeze tonight. I don't know that's, why. That's weird. But, uh, yeah, and, and I really wanted to, to get you to talk about that, Reb, because, you know, we're good vibes gaming. And I think Animal Crossing really exudes that kind of good vibes kind of feeling that, that people really, really, you know, like you said, everybody's beat it to death. But it came out at a time when everybody needed something like that in their lives. And um, I'm I'm definitely more the type that has bounced off the game and comes back for the events and then bounces off again. You know, work pulls me away or other things pull me away from it. But I do really, I think this is in the history of the series. I think this is the easiest one to come back to. I don't feel the guilt of leaving my, my Island and then coming back to it after an extended period of time. Uh, which I I think was always kind of one of the things that kept me away. Like once I bounced off and went away for a while, I didn't want to come back to my village because I felt guilty. I felt guilty that there were weeds and roaches and my villagers would all be like, oh my God, (laughs) you know, where have you been? And I think this one is much more charming. One, 
I can sell those weeds. Like Tom Nook will buy yeah. them. <laughs> and two, yeah. Yeah. they also look nicer. They don't look like just a crappy little stock sticking up out of the ground. They're, yeah, they exactly. Have flowers or something. They're nice. Yeah, it doesn't look terrible anymore. I, I've seen some people like landscape with weeds. <laughs> like I have a section of my them. island That's that I funny. deliberately kept with weeds. It looks nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the chat, Steve, I think uh, Turkey Subaye said, said much the same thing that you just said. Uh, they stopped playing a couple of months ago, scared to go back and see everyone. But it yeah. sounds as though that's not quite as ominous a uh, proposition in yeah. uh, New Horizons. And yeah, also, absolutely. I don't, also, welcome, like turkeys. Yeah, that's uh, a new name, I believe. Yeah, it's a new name. I don't recognize it, so I just wanted to say welcome, Turkey Subaye, and thank you for joining us live. Yeah. They just give you, like, a little line that's just like, oh, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. I hope you had a good time doing whatever you were doing. Or I guess you were probably really busy. That's okay. You know, make sure you're taking time for yourself. They have, like, really positive, affirming lines now. They acknowledge that it's been a while, but it's all, like, it's very nice. That's great. Yeah. It's and, not as cruel as it's. I've heard okay. it, the original Animal Crossing be. And uh, <laughs> one of the things I love is that if you're gone for a long time, the first time your character emerges from their house, they'll have bedhead. And they'll they'll look like they've just been sleeping the whole time, and they like come out and they back yawn, your coma. and their hair's all jacked up, and then they'll realize you know they need to fix themselves and go back to the way they looked before real quick, <laughs> which I think is a really <laughs> cute great. way to do it. It makes you smile the minute you come back, which I think is a really nice thing to do for people uh, that might be feeling that kind of guilt. But if you if you do feel that, don't because honestly, there's there's nothing wrong with you know putting a game down for a while and coming back to it. Um, yeah. I, I think. Uh... Uh, Reb's description of like going for a game of year that just makes you the happiest is a really good way of like looking at how I ended up doing mine because it, it, it's true if that's how Same. I pick mine because I I'm not an Animal Crossing player I played it a little bit and I just bounced off it I just never been able to get into that genre for one reason or another but yeah. playing Final Fantasy 7 remake and being transported back to my childhood in this year re-experiencing that because you know you haven't played seven for a while it's easy to hear it's like oh it's overrated oh it does this wrong oh it does this wrong and you go back into that world and all of a sudden it's like no no i still love this this is still amazing i love these characters i love this world this is my childhood that i'm now just enraptured by and more modernized and i can appreciate so much more about it to the fact that i could just i just want to do everything and no, I, I think that's why it became my game of the year, just because it made me so freaking happy. And yeah, I mean, I mentioned a few days ago that, uh, or or a couple of weeks ago, I think when we were talking about our game of the year uh, nominations that, uh, or the game awards, that FF Seven Remake is my game of the year too. And and I mentioned that it's because you know, for for my game of the year, I usually go with what made me feel the most, right? I, I used a much, much less great sounding word at the time. I said what made me feel the hardest, which was a terrible idea. But what made me feel the most? <laughs> and uh and, and that is for like you, Derek, it was it was FF seven remake and it was you know, that was the game that that took me to the highest emotional points, uh, you know, over the whole year, uh, or or over the course of the year. And uh, same, I, I'm not an Animal Crossing player myself. It's just not my kind of game. But it's it's also impossible to argue against, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I can't argue against it. it. It does deserve to be game of the year, even if FF Seven is my personal choice. Yeah, I mean, you said it, it as you said, Reb. It's a kindness simulator, and we really need that in 2020. That is for damn sure. And yeah, I, I can't argue against it, even if it isn't personally my kind of game. Yeah. I will say kudos to like having that attitude towards game of the year, because I think 
I, I, I felt really good when I moved over to the biz site and I could just write about whatever I wanted and it wasn't, there wasn't like a pressure to come up with like a definitive list. I feel like mm. it's, it's hard to try to sit there and come up with like a, either a personal game of the year or a, a, like a, like a collective game of the year for whatever outlet you're, you're doing stuff for where you're like trying to figure out what was the objectively best game. Like, I don't know. Video games are all yeah, different. Exactly. Right. Yeah. How can you quantify that? Like, yeah. how do you yeah. compare how do you compare, like, Hades and Animal Crossing? They are two completely different experiences. <laughs> they are yeah. both. I've not played Hades, but I, I hear it's excellent. I'm sure it is. Like, it's really like, good. Like, how do you compare the two? Like, you know, it's just whatever yeah. you felt something about. That's, yeah. Yeah. Well, according to Imran, Game of the Year is Hades. So that well, that's fine. That's a perfectly valid pick. Yeah, yeah nice. I've, I've been having a lot of fun with it. I, I do my streams of it, and I don't want to really stop because I am having so much fun because you get on a good run or you have a you get close to, for a good run, and you just you really start loving those characters as you go back and forth between, you know, the underworld and trying to escape. I, I so. like Hades. I don't love Hades. Um, Ooh, how much did you? That. I haven't beat, heard that take yet. That's interesting. Did you beat? Like, how much did you do? Because I've had, I've seen people curious about. Like, you, you put time in it, but people are curious. Like, did you beat the game? Did you beat? Did I've, you? I've not beat the game, but I don't know what could, uh, save for a massive mechanical or narrative event. I don't imagine there's anything that could shake my opinion of the game at this point. Interesting. Uh, I've been interesting. to. I've I've been to Elysium, and I've, I've run up against the boss a few times, and. I just was like, eh, I don't really know how much more of this I need. Like, I've already sunk like four or five hours into it, and I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm not like enraptured by it, but I'm also not turned off. It's just kind of, to me, I would liken it to watching an episode of a show I like, but it's a rerun. Like, it's, <laughs> it, I would keep the TV fair on, enough. but I'm also not going to pick up the remote and go seek it out either. I think yeah. that's fair. Right. I, I think if you're not. Some people are like, oh, well, you just got to play like, you know, 10, 20 hours of this game to get really into it. No, no, no. no if you're into a couple <laughs> no, hours, I don't. you're not feeling it. No. Yeah. No, it, that's and that was not the for you. That's fine. opposite. I played for like I at my first run. I'm like, oh, I get it. Just because the combat was that smooth for me. I did not expect it to feel that good when I tried out Hades. See, to, and to, then all of a sudden they got the narrative aspects to it. The uh, fun of. You know the multiple runs and figuring all that out. And that was really nice, and I'll be I'll be right back. <laughs> no worries. Um, uh, I have it downloaded. I'm looking forward to trying it myself. I have not yet, but I, I'm very curious. Given uh, your divergent, your your highly divergent opinions on it, uh, Derek and Steve, I'm curious uh, which side I'll I'll fall on because Ash, I have not played it yet. As as a quick aside, uh, what platform do you have that downloaded on? Switch. Good, because that's where we're going next. <laughs> so, nice, nice. Um, <laughs> well done. So uh, the second half of this story, and, and it's real easy, again, for, for me and uh, to talk about Animal Crossing at length, but uh, is that Doug Bowser claims that, or, or rather, he states, right? He doesn't claim, he knows. <laughs> he, he stated that he the knows. Switch is halfway through its life cycle. Um, and Reb, being the, the resident business expert here, I want to get your take on this before any of us uh, chime in on it. What, what do, you, do you think he's, he's talking about the Switch, or do you think he's talking about the, or the current model of the Switch, or do you think he's talking about something different? I think that man could be talking about literally anything he wanted. That, mm. The interview that that quote uh-huh. came from, um, and, and I say this not to insult the people who conducted it, because doing Nintendo interviews is an, it is like pulling teeth. I have done one Nintendo interview in my career. You cannot get them to <laughs> yes, say literally anything, yeah. but you still have to publish it. So they, 
they did their absolute best. This is no shade. I think it was Polygon who ran that. This is literally no shade to Polygon. Um, mm-hmm. That that man said nothing in that whole interview. <laughs> literally, like absolutely yeah. nothing. Um, halfway through its life cycle could mean anything. It could mean halfway, like like some vague midway point, liter- anywhere. Not literally. It could mean literally like halfway and we're releasing a console in what, like four years or something like that. It could mean mm-hmm. halfway through the main switch and we're going to come out with a Switch Pro. It could mean I don't know, it's somewhat into its life cycle, I don't know, or it could just be like a throwaway answer. That could, it means nothing. Yeah. I think anyone trying to read anything more into that is like a Nintendo fan person or, or they're trying, trying to, to sell you a news. bigger Switch, right? Yeah, like, exactly. But I get it, I mean, people gotta run that. Like, it's it's interesting. It'll, it will be an interesting comment in like two or three more years. Hello. Uh, when we know... When we already know what he meant and can kind of look at, like, the context surrounding it. That's when it'll be interesting, which is why yeah. it is worth, like, like writing about and reporting. Um, but, yeah, I've definitely seen yeah. – I've seen some people take this to mean, well, maybe maybe there isn't a Switch Pro coming. Maybe maybe they're really just happy with what they're selling, and, and I'm, no, that's not what that means. This is just typical PR speak. I mean, I, I, I absolutely still believe there's a Switch Pro coming oh, next yeah. year. Yeah. Um, and and I don't think this means that uh, anywhere close to the idea or even a suggestion that there isn't. No, no, no. I th- you're absolutely right. There's yeah. definitely a Switch Pro coming, and I I, I think it is next year. At the beginning of this year, everyone was going, "Oh, there's going to be a Switch Pro. And it's going to be this year." Like we have games industry does like analyst predictions at the beginning of every year. Like multiple analysts were like, "We're going to get a Switch Pro this year," and I'm like, "I am not an analyst. I am a simple, humble games journalist." And yet, <laughs> I think this is ridiculous because okay. Mm. The Switch is not competing with Sony and Microsoft. It's not. I acknowledge right, that. It's like It's a no. completely different thing. That said, there is no universe when it makes sense for Nintendo to release a new hardware model that is more powerful and, in the sense, slightly more competitive with the next generation of consoles right at the same time that they're releasing next-gen consoles. That is a stupid business yeah. idea. No. Don't do it. Yeah. They're going to sell a bunch of consoles. You know they are. Release your stuff at the beginning of the year. Release a holiday game or two. Take the quiet year, and then come back the following year and be like, "Hey guys, you want to switch pro?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, no. I anytime I think about Nintendo execs and new hardware, I'm reminded that what was it like Nikkei published a report about the DSi, I believe like three weeks before the DSi came out and Nintendo was like, "We are not ma-, like didn't just not comment. They categorically denied the report. And then three weeks later, the damn thing was on store shelves. Yeah. So yeah, so, I remember that. Yeah, that's yeah. Nintendo. Nintendo's gonna say what Nintendo needs to say in the moment, uh, uh, which kind of takes me back to like you know a, an old Ch- Dave Chappelle skit where he's like, "Whatever people pay me to say is what I'm saying," <laughs> and that's what I think every time like a Nintendo um, executive or PR person like gives a comment, like it. You, you can't really put a whole lot of stock in any of this stuff, even if it's from a Reggie or a Doug Bowser, because they're not going to betray their shareholders or, or their engineers or anyone else. They're just going to give you something to get you to stop asking. And it'll As never Imran says said in the chat, we once did an email interview with Reggie where he literally put store links in the responses. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's, These guys are like, businessmen. Yeah. No, I'm also looking at this Polygon interview and like they... They are, they are no fools. They have PR people. They know exactly what questions Polygon is going to ask them. They have rehearsed this. They have talking points. Yeah. And if anyone asks mm-hmm. them something they don't have a talking point for, they divert to something they do. So, like, there's a question in here, and I'm, I'm 
deeply summarizing it because I don't just want to read Polygon's interview. Um, but they, they were trying to ask him about whether Nintendo was like holding back games for a potential Switch Pro. Um, and he basically just turned it into, we've been able to release games like Animal Crossing and Hades and <laughs> Minecraft Dungeons and Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Uh, and we've got 4,000 games available and the Switch is selling really well. Um, and that was his answer. It yeah, did not answer yeah, the question. That's, what did yeah, that, that mean? sounds completely familiar. <laughs> what did yeah. that mean? Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a uh, Nintendo interview. Again, Polygon does wonderful work. I glad you published yeah. it, folks. Doug Bowser's got a Nintendo. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Uh, I think we've got one last story. It's still about Nintendo, but it kind of more related to our Animal Crossing story, or specifically. Uh, Reb's comments on our Animal Crossing story. I'm going to throw that up on the screen now. It kind of, kind of relates to both. So uh, the New Yorker uh, ran a piece. They they interviewed Shigeru Miyamoto, which seems like an increasingly rare get these days. As he, uh, you know, kind of gets. I don't know if it's more important or he just doesn't interview as much anymore. Um, but they interviewed really Shigeru Miyamoto about. Uh, Nintendo Nintendo World, Super Nintendo World, as well as just what it's like to be Miyamoto, which I think uh, is a really interesting uh, lean on this interview that they took because we don't get a lot of talk about Miyamoto the person. We get we get Miyamoto talking more often about the things he's made or the franchises he's created or his own legacy as a game designer. But in this interview, he talks about his children, like his his home life. And how, you know, one one particularly fun anecdote that he shared in this interview that I really loved was that uh, his kids played Sega hardware at home yeah. and that he owned and that he owned all the consoles in the home. Like he didn't buy his kids video games. Yeah. He bought them for himself and he would let <laughs> his kids borrow them. And that was how he managed their time because he's like, hey, this is mine and I'm letting you borrow it. And if you if you act up about it, I'll just take my stuff back, <laughs> which I think is a really <laughs> yeah. interesting. Hey, that seems fair to me. I love yeah. that, yeah. But there's I, one... Sorry, I'll, let me get this out ahead. of the way real quick. There's one key thing that I really loved in this interview, um, and it was that he talks about, and they allude to it in the interview, that he wants to create a kinder world. And he talks about, you know, they ask him, as a designer of, of worlds, what would you change about the real world if you could change anything? And his response is, like, so pure. He talks about how he would make people more selfless, that he would make people more thoughtful. And he talks about sitting on the train headed to work and he sees young people. He says young people, which I don't appreciate, but whatever. Uh, he says he sees young people sitting in the disabled seats for, for, you know, differently abled people. And he, you know, he says that if somebody spoke up to them, they'd probably just say, oh, well, there's no one on the train. And in his mind, he thinks about like, well, maybe there is somebody who needs that seat who is too ashamed or nervous to ask because there's already someone in it that that is, you know, sitting there. And I was like, that is not what I picture. Like, I hate to say it because it, it speaks to how bad I am as a person, but... <laughs> I, I sit there and I think about it and I'm like, well, you know, someone as famous as Miyamoto probably is rotten inside. <laughs> like, I, I think about, he can't possibly think such nice things. But then he, he gives this interview and I'm like, I was wrong. <laughs> to be fair, uh -huh. you know, my, my one and only encounter with this man, he was very kind to me. So I shouldn't really say that. But it, it was just such a, such a really great read because I feel like for as much of this person's creations as I've consumed, I know very little about him. And it's, it, it, I think this 
interview did a better job than most of kind of showing us who he is versus, you know, w- w- versus teaching me more about his work. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I generally loudly ascribe to, uh, you know, all CEOs and C-level people and rich people are probably bad in some way. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Generally, I generally, like, like, especially of large companies. I mean, obviously, it's like a small yeah. company, whatever, prob- maybe not. But like, you know, gen- generally people who are at the top of companies like Nintendo, I just sort of ascribe to it. Yes, they must be horrible in some way. I think Miyamoto probably gets as close as anyone does to making me think, you know, that guy's probably okay. Um, he, the most you hear about Miyamoto is maybe that he's a little too old fashioned in his ideas for game design. Like doesn't really. And I've mentioned like, that. And yeah. like, for example, the whole anecdote about Sticker Star not needing a story. Or, well, and not even yeah, just, uh, yeah, I mean, and not only just that, but just in, you know, how, what we saw happen with Super Mario Galaxy 2 as opposed to Galaxy 1, where in Galaxy 2, Miyamoto took a lot more creative control and really downplayed the story and kind of the atmosphere of the game, which is something I loved about Galaxy 1. So, I mean, even though I find my own tastes diverging more from Miyamoto's design ethos as he gets older and as I get older, too, um, I mean, I still respect the hell out of the guy, oh, yeah. and I'm with you, Steve. It's so interesting to see the man behind the games, to, to learn a little bit more about him. And my favorite part of this whole thing, I think, has to be the fact where he admits that his kids played Sega games, too. And uh, the interviewer's like, well, does, did that ever upset you? And he's like, no, it just made inspired me to try harder so that they like my games more than, you know, more than the competitions. And that's such a Miyamoto answer. And uh, he, he says his kids especially like playing OutRun and Space Harrier. And I'm just going to say his kids have great taste because those are <laughs> some awesome, you know, those are their classics. Yeah, yeah. I think I think with Miyamoto, it is interesting. I, I like watching the directs he's in. And I like the, the uh, Super Nintendo World thing recently that he was in. I think... I think it is very clear he he has he he says these philosophies uh, you know about you know wanting to make kinder games and you know wanting to encourage families to play together and spend time together and wanting games to be something that makes you happy um, and feel good and I think that if he does not sincerely believe those things he is doing a hell of an act um, because yeah. you watch yeah. that yeah. Super Nintendo World thing that man walked onto the screen and said hi I'm Mario's dad which is just like this wonderful <laughs> it, it is a funny internet meme but he also like like has just like this very wry like sincerity about it like you watch him throughout that whole thing he loves this he's like he he's yeah. looking at this thing and he like very much seems genuinely delighted by this thing this Mario thing that they have made and I I I think that's genuine I think it is I mean he's he's a human being I'm sure he's imperfect like the rest of us but you know I think he's all right I think he's okay I think he genuinely believes what he's trying to do with games and I think he does a damn good job of it his, um, Nintendo's games make me really happy it's his yeah. earnestness that really seems to connect with people because you know you have the whole um, what was it. Uh, Talk late night show where he went yeah, that 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 the yeah. thumbs up thumbs down down thing that became a meme. I've already seen people immediately grabbing him. Uh, oh, this this is popcorn uh, as he's eating <laughs> it to, to uh-huh. you know stuff's going down. I got to get my popcorn out for this. Uh, yeah. uh, that's become a a very likely new meme, and it just every part of him seems so genuine to what he just comes across like that he really just seems seems like a proud papa when he, when he looks yeah. at these two yeah. uh looks at all of, all that he's done and 
And Nintendo seems to attract and engender talent like that in general. I mean, we, Miyamoto, I mean, yeah, we, he's so genuine. You can tell how passionate he is about what, what we do. And we just saw that again uh, with Sakurai and his Sephiroth presentation. You know, I mean, you could he had a smile just plastered on his face the whole time. And you could tell how excited he was about Sephiroth and getting to getting to recreate Advent Children in the, in the trailer. And I, that's one of my favorite things about Nintendo is that, is that you see, you know, a lot of the personalities there. Uh, you know, seemed genuinely happy to be working with with those properties, and we saw that with Iwata, uh, you know, before he yeah. passed away, rest mm-hmm. in peace. And I mean, he was the most genuine. You could feel his kindness coming through in, in the directs, and just his he really wanted to make people happy. And you see that with Miyamoto, you see that with Sakurai, and that's I one of my one. favorite things about Nintendo. Yeah, Alnuma. I mean, yeah, I, you see that with everybody, uh, basically at Nintendo. And I just you know Tabata, and uh, yeah, it's great, and I love that about about them. I love the, the, like, interviews or, like, little videos where, like, Miyamoto or, like, sometimes Aonuma will get on and, like, answer questions about, like, Mario. Or for Aonuma, it'll be, like, Legend of Zelda. Um, like, like, the one where they were asking him questions about, okay, what's Mario's last name? Mario. Wait. Yeah. Mario Mario? And then it came back again when I think it was a Game Informer video video interview they did where they're like, what's Link's last name? And they're like, oh, it's like Mario. Wait, what, Link Mario? No, Link Link. <laughs> That's his last name. Uh, nice. Or, or the one where they're like, what, um... Who is uh, who's Bowser Junior's mom? And he's Ma- like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. And and while I admit, I, I know obviously Miyamoto knows best. He's Mario and Luigi's dad. I totally get it. I will always look at at, at Miyamoto sideways for claiming that Mario is twenty four years old. <laughs> no fucking way is he twenty four years old, man. Come on, grown up fellow. Right? Yeah. No. No, there, yeah. there's a there's a joy there, and like I said, he's either he's either sincere in this, or he's just a really really good actor, and we're all going to be deeply disappointed one day. But yeah, I, I want to believe it's the former. Yeah, I would hope. I, yeah. I I think that Miyamoto is is genuinely a good person. Uh, I I can't imagine like I just can't imagine him not being. He's like gaming's grandpa at this point, and <laughs> uh, he's he's such a you know like. I don't think you can fake the kind of enthusiasm he showed in that Super Nintendo World Direct. Like, I don't think that that's something not. someone can fake. And uh, like, like Reb was, you know, implying, like when we streamed that, Ash, you were you were quite cynical, but you were positive about it the whole time it was going. Yeah, um, yeah, and and less cynical because I'm not. Ex- I'm excited about it. I'm just more, you know, I just want to go to a theme park. I just, I, I was kind of cynical about the idea of just having it shown to me through a direct when I just would rather just go when it opens but no it ended up being a really fantastically fun presentation absolutely yeah yeah and i think i think a big part of that is just seeing the creator of mario like seeing the world he invented realized in 3d like it was really heartwarming to see like yeah you know this person who put in decades of work into creating this universe and then being able to stand in it and i I can't imagine that if he was just some dude that is actually like rotten to the core, that he would be able to uh, fake it know, for to, that long. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and so convincing. Even at the time, Disney, I, like, didn't Disney have like old Uncle Walt, and they had that feeling, but there was still like I think people realized like hmm <laughs> about Disney <laughs> and his practices. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. think it's hard, right? Like, like you very. 
you want to be at least, especially right now, you want to be at least like a tiny bit suspicious of anybody who's at the top of something like that because we've seen so many power structures that have turned out to actually be abusive and awful. And most of the time, there have been red flags ahead of time, right? But um, especially the industry in Japan because it's like, it's very locked down. Like the Western press doesn't really get much access to it. We don't, we don't hear from a lot of like individual developers. I, I assume because Nintendo's like NDAs are just so incredibly strict, but yep. we just genuinely do <laughs> not know a lot about you know what it is like to work at Nintendo at that level. And so it's it's hard to say. And you want to maintain like at least a, a slight little bit of suspicion because you don't want to be in that situation where you're just like uniformly praising this person and it turns out he sucked. But I also like I want to hold in my heart the belief that every once in a while we do get a Mister Rogers who just you know, it's pretty uh, okay, like, all around. Yeah. I mean, no, we haven't... I, I think we're past the point. I think I think if we were going to cancel Mr. Rogers, it would have happened by now. Mr. Rogers is fantastic. Right. I, oh, I, God, yeah. that documentary killed me. Yeah. I have um, a son who is adopted and has been through significant trauma in his life, and I sat down and watched Mr. Rogers with him to help him kind of understand his feelings, and it it got to me, I think, more than it got to him. <laughs> Watching Mr. Rogers had me in tears, and I was like, oh, man, I miss this man. Yeah. I used to mm. watch him on TV. I assume reruns. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe yeah. not. Watch him too as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So really he, he's a wonderful influence, and, and I definitely think Miyamoto is more Mr. Rogers than evil corporate billionaire. But <laughs> Definitely. Um, I want to believe that, that and if I'm, if I'm ever provided evidence to the contrary, I will reevaluate my opinion of him. But, but you know. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Of now. course, I, and you know it's been how long, and it, we we sometimes get good ones. I, you still have not heard a bad thing about Steve Irwin, um, when, you know, when he passed, and he was just genuine, genuinely enthusiastic. Sometimes you get those people who are just really into it, and uh, I think the same, you know, and sometimes they're dealing with heavy trauma themselves, like Robin Williams or Anthony Bourdain. Again, extremely enthusiastic people. Nobody ever had anything bad to say about, but they had their own issues that they were dealing with and it's rough and to see that genuineness especially nowadays is so like suspicious almost because you don't you can't believe it you're seeing too much corruption everywhere else to see something genuine you're like is this true yeah yeah and especially to see that genuine genuineness in the in the face of their own personal struggles, like like the way that Iwata never lost his his passion and his kindness and and that sense of that sense of familiarity with with his audience, even as he was battling his cancer, oh. you know, before the end, and or or with Chadwick Boseman, for example, who mm-hmm. I mean, look in hindsight, that man brought us four in, incredibly, you know, uh, and well, I mean, they're they're great action films, but his roles in them were so physical. And mm-hmm. yet he brought us those movies and, and gave it 150% despite the fact that he was battling this illness the whole time. Like, yeah. when, you can, when mm-hmm. you can keep that, that sense of, of yeah, genuineness and love for what you do and, and connecting with your audience, even when you're struggling so much, I mean, that's the mark of real character right there. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Sorry, I was reading the chat, and it and, uh, looks like Imran is mentioning that John Mulaney was uh, checked into rehab today. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, That's I heard about that. I, I, I am sad that that, that was necessary, but I am glad that he made that choice. If that yeah. was what was yes. That's the important yes. part. Like, it sucks that he had to do it, but it's good that he did. Yes. 
Yes, folks. Uh, by the way, I just want to say hi. I want to say hi really quick to Killamox and Ben Morelli RG, whose names I don't recognize. Uh, Killamox, I think I might have seen before, but Ben Morelli, I don't recall seeing in the chat. Yeah, so same. If this is your first time yeah. here, welcome. welcome and thank welcome. you for joining us. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, folks, I think we've reached the end of tonight's program. Did we get through all the Indeed. news? We got through all the news. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh, we, we'll be getting these longer episodes all of a sudden. <laughs> it I know. happens when. I don't want to say it happens when you like the people you have on because we like everybody we have on. Everybody, everybody is awesome. But I think when you're catching up with a friend, it, it takes it can take a bit longer. So uh, it happens when you ask me on and then give me license to just talk nonstop about two <laughs> hey, of my favorite are, games this year. I mean, <laughs> hey, that was fun. You are welcome yeah. to come on anytime you like and talk about whatever you like. I know that you know you are you are more often mired in the uh, in in the business trappings of this industry than getting to in gush about the games you're you're enthused love, by so yeah you, you ever want to talk about Consider the games this you love, come on over <laughs> thank you thank you we we have to we have to at some point get an episode with both you and imran on because i think that would be a really fun episode to do we did That'd be a lot he of was fun. my second yeah. guest on Cozywood, and oh, i nice. oh, nice. i learned that apparently we do have good rapport on podcasts as well as in real life which was great information to have you, you nice. would think that the two people who probably converse the most would also do well creating content together. I assume so. Yeah. My, you my would wife think, is, but I, there yeah. might be a few out there. I'd like to think that Amy and I do pretty well when we do uh, collab stuff on her channel and uh, Twitch. So, yeah, I think it's crossed. a little nerve wracking, right? Because like you don't want it to just be like, oh, you just like. I, I don't know. Like, there's, I don't know. There's like a little bit of pressure. Like, oh, we don't just want right. it to turn into a bunch of like inside jokes or whatever. But I, I yeah. think we made, sure. I think we made nice. capital G well, good content. I, I have already convinced my wife that we will be watching Cozywood tonight. So I will I will hit, nice. I will slide into the proverbial DMs and let you know what she thought of it once we're once we're done with our viewing this evening. It is listen um, only. It's not video. Oh, listen only. Sorry, we'll listen to it. We listen okay. to podcasts. Just don't want to like ruin your evening if you're like expecting a video. I'm like on the YouTube. App, I am not going business. to film my cooking. It's a disaster. Oh man, I will. I. I will have to talk to you later about the whole rabbit hole I've gone down with filming cooking, but that's a whole other show probably. <laughs> anyway, um, so before we sign off, Reb, where can we find you besides obviously uh, GI.biz or, or including GI.biz or gamesindustry.biz, yeah, so, sorry. Yeah, so if, if you if you want to know more about the business of how the video games you love with get made, you can find me at gamesindustry.biz where I'm a, regular, I'm a reporter there. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Duck Valentine and the Cozywood Kitchenette is on Twitter at Cozywood Kitchen and from there there's links to all the different podcast services it's on. Nice. Yeah, nice. I will. I will be subbing tonight. I haven't had time to consume anything, but I do have to end the show at some point. So uh, <laughs> it looks like we've made our way through all of just the several past couple days headlines worth of news since, uh, you know, the weekend. And we're on our Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule. But before we sign off, we have to give special thanks to all of our patrons at the producer tier for helping to make this show happen. We appreciate you guys so much. And I do know that there were a few of you that were new, but there, I, I didn't have time to audit the list before the show. Uh, but know that we appreciate you. Your names will be in the credits tonight. And uh, in addition to that, we have a massive thank you to our patrons at the executive producer tier and above. Those fine folks are... Rob Arman X, Dan and Twistle, Z Patty, Adam O'Sullivan, Floating Mew, Christopher, The D Pad, Vesmio, Waffle King, Kieran Phillips, Benny Yao, my mom, hi mom, <laughs> Geller, Shiny Turkey, Titus Malvolio, Jake Pelka, Michael Phone, Mitchell Herring, Jay Acosta, Game Explain, Charles Zaz, Andrew Medeiros, 
Jonathan Belmer, Kitty Kong Facts, who is indeed a good boy. Thank you for the cameo, Kitty Kong <laughs> yes, Facts. Yes, indeed. Patrick Harrison, 112, Scott Barber, Evernight Studio, Rocks the Cat, Loyal Crevice, Azran127, Phantom23, Sean Garrett, Shadow the Cat, and Guillaume Monet, who also provided us with lovely kitty pictures for tonight's episode. Remember that you too can become a patron over at patreon.com slash gvgaming, or for as little as $5 a month, you can view today's news tonight live like our lovely audience members here. Thank you all so much for watching. If you like this video, be sure to subscribe to Good Vibes Gaming for more good times like these. Until next time, good night and good vibes. Bye, everyone. Bye. Good night, everybody. Ha, <laughs> ha,